Redbird Report after a long Thanksgiving break. I'm your host, Scott Preros. With me today, I have my co-sports editor, Reed Rockins. How's it going, Reed? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, not too bad. A little bit of a cold going, but we'll fight through it. Uh, busy break there for Redbird Sports. Uh, fall sports are really starting to come to an end, uh, and we're starting to get into full gear here with the winter sports, basketball specifically. But I do want to talk about a little bit of the fall sports that are coming to an end, specifically the football team. Uh, linebacker Zeke Vandenberg gets MVC Defensive Player of the Year, or MVFC Defensive Player of the Year, sorry about that. Um, finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award. He's just had an incredible season. We talked about it from the start. And I think he'll be in contention there. Uh, we talked about it before the podcast. I don't know that he'll necessarily have maybe the name and the team record to maybe put him above the top and get him that award. But, I mean, the stats certainly make him a competitor for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that 6-5 and five record is going to be the main thing holding him back yeah. um, from such a prestigious award. Um, but, man, what a season. What a way to go out against Western Illinois. Um, I mean, just an insane game and something that – it was kind of questionable, like what they had left to play for, being eliminated um, from the playoffs. But um, really made the most of that game against a team that struggled and it ended up actually meaning a lot because they um, had to go to over overtime against that winless team. So um, I think he really made the most of his performance this year, and um, we'll see what happens with the NFL draft. But definitely put his name out there and um, got the attention of some programs. Yeah, 17 tackles, three and a half sacks, and four tackles for loss in that season-ending win over Western Illinois. Um, but what a career he really put together, not just his final season, senior season, but a career as a whole. I mean, he's top three in ISU in sacks and tackles for loss, uh, passing Tony Jones and Boomer Grigsby in those categories. So, I mean, just what names to be passing there. Um, just a heck of a player, and I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Um but obviously the football team as a whole will be losing quite a few players just with graduating. The transfer portal took Frankie West. So it's going to be a different look team next year. You hope some of these offensive guys will stay. Uh, you want Zach Anikstead to stay. Obviously he uh, finished second in newcomer of the year voting, but he did make the all-newcomer team. Uh, Wankers Wright was on that all-newcomer team. So there is some bright spots for this team, but it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust after losing some of these big names, especially Zeke Vandenberg on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking at the all-MVC first team, you had Drew Bones on there. He's a senior. He'll be gone. And then the honorable mention MVC, all-MVFC players were Bryson Deming, Tanner Tala, and DeAndre Lamont, all of who are seniors and will be leaving. DeAndre Lamont also on that um, all-MVFC newcomer team. So um, a lot of talent that we saw this year, and it was unfortunate to see it not be able to materialize into something um, a little bigger. Um, I mean, you look at all the recognition they got, and then um, ending with that six and five record is kind of just a disappointing way to go out with such a talented group that really started to play together well and pick each other up at the right times in the right spots. Um, so I would say just kind of figuring out how to turn it around and build on what you have, and then it's, you got to take advantage of this transfer portal. It's the new meta in college football obviously as we've seen the past couple years so it's essentially free agency at this absolutely point with how I many players just go into it every off season yeah i'm if <laughs> i don't know what has to be wrong it's the smallest thing for you to leave your program yeah um and 
try to get to a better situation, which you have to respect for these college athletes, and I'm glad that they're able to do it um, yeah. pretty freely, which I think is good, but obviously there are some negatives to it. Um, as you can see, ISU leave, losing Frankie West, um, really a disappointing loss, losing a hometown kid um, who's really been – like his numbers are just insane, and he doesn't even get thrown at a lot, which is, I mean, there an might impressive be reason mark. For that. Right. His number, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of deflections or picks or anything because they don't, they aren't even willing to look his way, which is the true mark of a great cornerback, in my opinion. So, um, disappointing to lose him, disappointing um, to see anyone else uh, take off if that happens. But um, I think you got a lot of building blocks with uh, Anixed and then Winker's right. And then maybe get Miller back next year. It could be a strong, strong offense, a lot stronger um, than we saw this year when it had to be carried by the defense throughout a few games. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's gonna the Tanner Towell and Bryson Deming are gonna be big losses. It's gonna be interesting to see how you fill that tight end role. But just talking about Frankie West, just one more time. Uh, he had posted on his Twitter, and I did look into it a little more. But out of the cornerbacks. And it's not just FCS. He posted it, and it was a list of cornerbacks, and he was ranked number five in defensive PFF grade behind a player from Troy, Morgan State, uh, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, and then Toledo. So some big names there ahead of him. But he, he really put together a really solid season. Uh, he was taken off the punt return after a couple fumbles there, but defensively I think he just started mm-hmm. focusing there, and it really improved his play there. But I think... Like I said, I think that tight end position is going to be interesting to see how you fill that because Tanner Taula and Bryson Deming were some big weapons for uh, Annexted, but you still have Sobkowicz. Um, Tristan Bailey was a player who got hurt a couple times this year, but he was a wide receiver who might need to step up for them. It'll just be interesting to see what they look like next year with an, obviously a kind of new-look defense and just see what they can do after the 6-5 and five season. Yeah, I'm interested to see what um, Tanner Taller goes on to do, if he's able to do anything at the professional level. I know um, that Coach Spack hinted at him having interest in playing pro football, so he definitely has the body for it. I mean, 6'6", I'm not sure exactly what he's weighing or listed at, but um, looks like 255, so yeah, wow. might even need a little more muscle. Um, yeah. Because he seems kind of slim when you see him um, on the football field, um, but he's quick, and I think that maybe with a little more muscle, he could adjust to be a pro football caliber uh, tight end, at least in the weight room. Um, and I think he's really impressive. He kind of has the tools. Didn't get a lot of targets um, as much as you would at, in a lot of different offenses you see yeah. in the country, but uh, only the one touchdown. But I think he looked really good and was one of my favorite players to see get going in the Redbird offense this season. Yeah, I would agree 100%. Definitely an interesting future for a lot of these Redbird players and definitely the team as a whole going into next season. But I think that's it for football. Anything else from you, Reed? That's all I got. All right, we do want to talk about one other fall sport. Uh, The volleyball team season came to an end a couple weeks ago with a loss to Bradley, but they had a couple players named to the MVC All-Freshman team in Ada Shadowald and Reagan Haith. Uh, Katie Weimerskirch was the Scholar Athlete of the Year. Kushner was named first team, and Kendi Hilliard was an honorable mention. So a lot of recognition for this team, both in or both on and off the court. But uh, as we talked about over and over again, I mean injuries obviously with a big, big theme with this team this year. And I mean it's hard to judge a team when you're projected to finish first in the conference and then everything starts to fall the way it did for them. But when you have two players named to the all-freshman team, I believe they were the only school in the conference to have two players named there. Um, it's a bright it's a bright spot for them. I mean, you have a lot of really young talent. We talked about this last time on the podcast. 
Uh, you're bringing in a couple of really solid players, and it's just going to be interesting to see what uh, Allie Matters is able to do with her second season with the team with a little bit of a new-look roster. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see um, specifically who's going to be setting the ball next year, if they just are going to split between Leffler, uh, Caitlin Leffler, and um, Emily Weber, who had such a great freshman season. Um, and then Leffler obviously came back those last three games and starred for the team. Yes. Um, so I'm really excited to see who's going to be setting the ball, if they're splitting it up at all. And then you still have Nori Yankit there um, for another year or so. Um, she'll be in the mix for sure. Maybe if it's just in the back row or setting, who knows. But um, then you have Maggie Weller stepping in to the libero, and I would say she's the definitely the favorite right the now. Pre-season to be, favorite, the preseason yeah. favorite. I like that term. Is going to be the libero for next season um, as of right now. So um, obviously you have the freshman coming in next year. I forget her name, but um, going to be some competition in that spot. And I, I like Maggie Weller in that spot. Um, Katie Weimerskirch spoke highly of her throughout the season. Um, something I like to point out is that she has both Weimerskirch and her coach, Allie Matters, as very experienced, very uh, high-level liberos to learn from. Yes. So um, I really think she could be primed for a really great um, upperclassman career as yeah. a Redbird. So excited to see what she's able to do next year. And then I think that the rest of it is just finding pins, just people, who's going to hit the ball. I mean, Shadowwald um, – she started, started to, she started to find a little absolutely. bit of consistency at the end of the year, and that was right. the big thing. She was getting the kills, but it wasn't efficient. Right. Um, so I'm looking for her to make a jump even after um, all this experience um, towards the end of the season started to add up. I think she still has um, a lot to go in terms of finding her ceiling. And then um, at the middle blocker position, I mean, Reichensberger and Haith did a really solid job um, throughout the season, hitting at a higher percentage, which is what you want to see from that position in the limited attempts. But uh, you're going to need to find some hitters. I think Hallie at club has... She's, she had a good solid end to the season. Right, yeah. When she absolutely. had to kind of fill that role with Kushner out with the ankle injury and Kushner not really playing a whole lot of that front row role. Absolutely. But you lose Kushner, you lose Hilliard, uh, both pins in the offense, both hitters um, that can play anywhere. So... Um, you're going to need to fill the roles with people who are just looking to swing at the ball and um, do it at a high percentage. Yeah, definitely. Some of these young players are going to need to step up. And I don't want to say only when I'm, for what I'm about to say because they are big players in Weimers, Kushner, and Hilliard, but you're losing three, and Kushner wasn't really able to play in her role a lot the second half of the season, so you're getting these players with the experience that they're going to need going into this year. But like I said, a lot of really young talent on this team. Anytime you have two all-MVC freshman players, I mean, that's a really bright spot for this team, and it's just going to be, I really think Allie Matters has the, the, the potential to make a really strong roster coming into this next season. It's going to be interesting, interesting to see what she does in her second season, like I said at the beginning. Yeah, and that's even without touching the transfer portal yet, which yeah. I think will be really interesting. I think that's where you're going to find players who might have been the second, third option on their team that want more touches uh, swinging at the ball. I think that's where you find them is there's players who are ready to contribute that already are coming in with some D1 experience. Yeah, I would agree 100%. So definitely a bright future for this team. You're losing a couple big players, and they have some bright futures ahead of them, but uh... – I, I really think they have a lot of potential going into next season for sure. Absolutely. 
So I think that's it for fall sports for us. We do want to take a look forward at some of these winter sports, specifically the men's and women's basketball teams. Um, two teams that are, in my eyes, headed in very different directions right now. <laughs> to say the least. Yes. However, I think it's early in the season, and I think the future is very bright for both of these teams. Um, I mean, just very different rosters, obviously, between the men's and women's teams. But we'll start talking about the men's team, like I said. Two and five, they've lost four straight. Their two wins were against Western, or I'm sorry, Eastern Illinois and Northwestern State, uh, back-to-back games. So they were sitting at two and one before they lost four straight, Northwestern State, and then all three at the Cayman Islands Classic. Um, their offense just doesn't seem to be there. I talked about this on Monday's podcast with uh, Jacob on the MVC Weekly podcast, and it's really just a flip of what they were last season. Last season, the offense blew up but they just could not stop anybody and this season they really have been a solid defensive team it's just they can't score at the level that they were able to last year and I think a big part of that is is you don't necessarily have a player who can get the ball and he can force himself to get a bucket and I'm not saying Antonio Reeves was necessarily the most efficient player in the world last year but he was that player who Dan Muller relied on to be able to go get a bucket himself and I just don't know that you necessarily have that player Darius Burford has, in my opinion, been great the last, what, I believe it's three or four game stretch. He went scoreless against Eastern Illinois, and then ever since then, he's had like 15 points in every game since then, which is just really incredible. Seneca Knight seems to maybe be finding something, which Mm -hmm. could be huge for this roster. Uh, He seemed to find something throughout that Cayman Islands Classic. Uh, Kendall Lewis's offense has dropped off, but you just you got to be able to find a little bit of consistency and you got to be able to find that guy who you're willing to give, put the ball in his hands when the game's on the line. Yeah, I mean, tribute to um, – the team has been a tribute to everything Judson has done. Um, Coach Robert Judson has done as a defensive coordinator for this team as an assistant. And, um, I mean, you can see the impact he's had so far. It's very evident with the way the defense plays. But I think you need to find a guy who's just – able to get a bucket whenever you need them, and they have been far from that so far um, in the early going of the season. Seneca Knight's impact in the Cayman Islands Classic is really, in my opinion, one of the few positive takeaways from that tournament, um, other than just gaining the experience they're going to gain from going on that trip as a team. Um, and I think if he could just become the player that they thought he was in the preseason, that would be amazing. And um, probably the most experienced player, I would say, on the team, um, if you're looking at all of their Division One experience. Um, but, yeah, I think Darius Burford needs to continue to do what he's doing, which has been really nice to see. Um, and then I think you need to look at him and Poindexter, Malachi Poindexter, to kind of start just running the offense and orchestrating it in a way that um, keeps the flow going and they can find their rhythm and find shooters. And then just knocking down shots needs to happen. I think you find that in – Luke Kasupi and Joe Petrakis, um on the outside. You can just find shooters that you can get the ball to. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with the starting lineup continuing to go forward. Um, Seneca Knight obviously went out for that first game of the uh, Cayman Islands Classic and then came back for the second game after a nice uh, performance in the opening game. Um, and then I think Poindexter has been the one coming off the bench now. Um after you've seen um, Seneca Knight back in the lineup and then Sandage also in that role as well. Yeah, it's uh, 
I think they're kind of fiddling with the lineup a little bit, trying to figure it out. Like we said, I mean, it's a kind of a new look roster here. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if Colton Sanders can find a little bit more of an efficiency from the three-point line. I mean, 38% really isn't bad, but you do want to see that number go up a little bit with how many he is taking. Uh, but I think that comes down to at the beginning of the year, they teams were like hounding him. They were not mm-hmm. letting him get anything off, and when mm-hmm. he did get it off, it was just so contested. Just tough shots like that. But <clears throat> I do want to talk about that defense a little bit. Um, the number was lower than what I thought it was. I think most of the season it was pretty bad, and the defense got better at the end of the year. But last year they allowed 74.7 points per game. Um, this year they're allowing 67. That's over a two-possession improvement. That's really solid to see there. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to talk about is I was looking at the uh, game total. So this year uh, so they've played seven games, obviously, and the most they've allowed in a single game was 78 against uh, Western Kentucky there in the Cayman Islands Classic. Uh, other than that, they allowed 77, um, 71, and 70. So, I mean, that's some low-scoring games. Last year, I'm not the UNC-Wilmington game they won, they only allowed 63. But then over the next five, they allowed 103, 77, 100, 82, and 106. So, I mean, the defensive improvement is really it's showing. Um, regardless of the competition, when you're dropping it off that much, it's really something that you should be encouraged about as a team. Um, and I think, like you said, that's a tribute to what Rob Judson's doing there with the defense. Uh, but offensively, like we said, you just got to figure something out because 61.3 points per game, especially when you get into Valley play, is not going to cut it. You're not going to be winning basketball games like that. And then you're going to go into um, hoop or Arch Madness, I'm sorry, uh, and you're going to be a Thursday team if you're scoring 61 points per game. It's just there's not, nothing else to it. If you're scoring 61 yep. points per game, you're not going to be able to win basketball games, it's, regardless of what your defense is doing, really. Yeah, I'm really concerned about this opening to the Missouri Valley Conference. We were talking about it a little beforehand, but it could just be demoralizing. I mean, the fan base is already down um, maybe to their low, I would say. It's you getting see close. it on Twitter every day. Yeah, I mean – at least you knew what you were getting with Mueller, but I think after you get their hopes up <laughs> this whole summer, it's really tough to see them struggling like this against a couple teams that they had no business losing to, I would say. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it's just people just aren't – I think they're oh, – I will say that I think people are overreacting a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's – his first season as head coach, Ryan Peden has a lot to work with here. It's a new look roster, and I think what's going to hurt him is it's a really veteran roster, so you're losing a lot of these players after this year. But I'm telling you, you just need to be patient, see what they do. Ryan Peden will find his rhythm as a head coach, and I'm very excited about some of these recruits they've got mm-hmm. coming next year. Granted, that's a long ways away. You still have a whole full season ahead of you. But I've been following along with some of these guys on Twitter, and they are just putting together stellar performance after stellar performance. I'm just really excited to see what they could do next year with this team. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's it for men's basketball. Anything else from you? That's all I got. So the last thing I do want to talk about today, the 5-1 Illinois State women's basketball team uh, find their first loss in the UNLV Thanksgiving Tournament Championship to the host UNLV. Uh, like I said, we talked about this on MVC Weekly uh, on Monday. Um, I think the, the Rebels just were a little more physical than the Redbirds in that game, and I think that was a big difference. Granted, you're almost never going to win a game when you turn the ball over 25 times like Illinois State did, but... I think the encouraging thing is they were down 22 in the third quarter and they cut it to five and had the ball with just over a minute and a half, I believe it was, in the fourth quarter. So this team is going to be in just about every single game that they play this year, and I'm really excited about them 
Um, everything that they've shown. Paige Robinson is an absolute stud. Mary Crompton seems to have found her shot. She's shooting over 50% from three this year. Uh, Deanna Wilson did struggle a little bit uh, in the UNLV tournament, but I think she's going to start finding her rhythm. And the reason that she's struggling, I think, is because people are really starting to key on her and not letting her get easy buckets. But when you do that, you allow people like Paige Robinson to average over 21 points a game, and Mary Crompton's averaging over 11, I believe, with the shooting percentage that she has. So while you want to see Deanna Wilson produce, if it's because they're doubling her and leaving other people open, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. And I was concerned watching that game uh, against UNLV that it was going to get ugly. And I... It did get ugly at one point. It did, but they brought it back, and they were in the game to the point where, like, you're fouling at the end of the game to try to extend it and make shots, and um, UNLV was put in a position where they had to make crucial shots to um, walk away with the win, and they were uncomfortable at the end of the game, which I think it really just speaks to the the mantra that this team plays by, that there's going to be the next person up, and... Um, if you stop Mary Crompton, you're going to have to deal with Paige Robinson. And if you stop her, Paige Robinson, you're going to have to deal with Deanna Wilson, Maya Wong, Abby Alsma off the bench. There's just so many different places that the scoring from comes from on this team, which it's just like the polar opposite of the men's team um, in some aspects. And it makes you really excited to watch the team because they have so many different weapons. And you never know who's going to step up in any given game, which is just really exciting. And then... You know, I think they can play with anyone. And when you kind of live and die by the three ball the way that this team has at least to this point in the season, and I think that isn't a bad identity for them to have with the players, with the roster that they put out there. Yeah. Um, but you are going to get down big in games when those shots don't go in. It's just going to happen. Um, so I'm looking for them to, like, find inside um, scoring with Wilson, um, with – anyone that's in the low post just so they have something consistent when the shots aren't going in from deep. But this team just has to never stop shooting the three-point shot. I mean, there's just no reason with, I mean, Mary Crompton being the number one uh, three-point shooter in Redbird women's basketball history. Yeah, Um, congratulations to her for that, by the way. Didn't bring that up. Um, And then Robinson, (laughs) seven for seven against Wisconsin. Absolutely insane. Could not miss. Um, So... I would just keep shooting, and the only place to develop, I would say, is that post game, so they can see some more consistency when the shots happen to not be going in. Yeah, if you can develop that post game, you force teams to continue to do what they seem to be doing there in that tournament, and force them to double her, so that you have those uh, shooter options available. Um, but when you have two players both shooting over fifty percent from three, and not on a small sample size at all, I mean they've combined for sixty attempts, so they're shooting. 31 from 60 for 60 from three. So that's just really incredible. They have a plus 51 point differential as a team through six games. Um, you're shooting 45% from the field, holding teams to just 40%. You're shooting 38% from three. You're holding teams to just 27%. I will say free throws have been a little not great for them. 83 of 120 this year, just under 70%. You'd like to see that number go up. Um, not turning the ball over terribly too many times compared to what they're forcing. Um, But, I mean, this team's just really putting together a heck of a season up to this point. Um, One more thing I do want to talk about, I just talked about those free throws, and I should bring this up. I had seen it on Kelvin Wetzel's Twitter, so I should Mm -hmm. give him credit. I believe Maya Wong Mm -hmm. is the leading 
Is she leading right now in free throw percentage in IC yeah. history? She in, did pass. In her career, yeah. In her She's career. at like 85% or something like that. In her career. So congratulations to Maya Wong there. Well, hopefully she continues that because they're going to need some free throw yeah. shooting. Like I said, congratulations to Mary Crompton, all-time three-point uh, leader in ISU history there. Just this team is so many incredible players from top to bottom on this team. and I, They have so much potential mm-hmm. to go. And I didn't, going into this year, I didn't, think I'd be telling myself that I thought this team was better than last year after what I was able to see from them, but they just might be. And now that Jada Stinson's back, Abby Alzma off the bench has been just really just incredible for this team, honestly. Um, your depth is getting there, like I said, and like you said, the big thing is just getting that post-consistency because the guard depth on this team with Robinson, Crompton, Wong, Alzma, and now Jada Stinson back mm-hmm. is it's scary for a lot of other teams. Yeah, I would say in comparing this year's team to last year, I think, I mean, obviously the big change is Robinson for Redmond. Um, I think Robinson can do just about everything Juju Redmond can do, and obviously nothing but respect for Juju Redmond, everything she accomplished. She's playing professionally right now. I think that speaks for itself. But I think Robinson is able to do all the scoring but she doesn't need to. She doesn't need to take those shots. Which helps. Yeah, and so she can draw the attention and then pass it away when needed. And I think I, Redmond would kind of get drawn in and decide to shoot before uh, the shot was there sometimes. While that, yeah, while I agree with you 100%, I think a lot of times for Redmond that also almost <laughs> came down to the point where she, not that she didn't trust her other teammates, but because her other teammates were off, so she felt that she needed to force that's these fair. shots. And that's because, like we talked about, Mary Crompton was not 100% last year. I mean, she played mm-hmm. well at the, be- at the end of the year, but she did not practice after conference play started. So, I mean, you had these other players who were struggling to score, so she felt like she needed, she felt like she had the burden where she needed to score herself. Mm-hmm. And Pedro, like you said, Robinson's not feeling that this year because you have Mary Crompton shooting over 50%. Maya Wong's honestly 37% from 3-8 is not bad at all, 6-16. Um, and I just... I'm really excited about this. I say I keep saying it over and over again, but they just—they're really surprising me with what they've been able to do up to this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could look at Belmont as the favorite in the Valley if you want the newcomers, but I mean, it's this team's championship uh, that they're defending, so you got to take it away from them if you want it. So I think no one wants to see this team when it comes to hoops in the Heartland, and um, they're going to be looking at it number one, maybe number two seed by the time everything's all said and done in the regular season. Yeah, so I just want to make sure, but I'm almost positive that the rankings stayed almost the exact same, but I believe Illinois State, yeah, they're still the number eight team in the uh, mid-major rankings, and I believe if it stays the same, I think actually Belmont fell a little bit, but I'm not positive. I don't see them on the list. They must have but Illinois State is currently ranked number eight in the mid ra- mid major rankings. So I mean, that's a credit in its own. I mean, that's they were never considered in that conversation, or at least I don't think they were brought up like that last year. But when you have Paige Robinson coming from a two time Division two All American, I mean, yeah, it's crazy what this program has been able to do in the, the past turnaround that ten Gillespie's years. Done. It's just she came I mean, in and they were at the bottom of the conference, yeah. and look where they are now. They're turned everything around. It's just it's incredible what Kristen Gillespie's been able to do. ISU's lucky to have them right now on this team. Um, I do want to ask Gillespie at some point in the season, maybe ask her who she prefers, Redmond or uh, Robinson, <laughs> see what she says. I don't know. I'll there's get a no straight way. answer yeah, from that. Yeah, there's no way you get an answer. <laughs> she'll, she'll say it's a toss-up, coin flip, whichever one she wants. But uh, I think that's it for me. Anything else from you, Reed? 
That's all I got. I think tracks starting this week. They do. Yeah, they finally start this week. They host the, uh, I believe they host this weekend, right? Saturday. Mm -hmm. John Um, Coughlin. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And then men's basketball hosts Sunday. They go to Murray State tomorrow night. Women's basketball goes to St. Louis Saturday. Um, Like I said, basketball hosts Sunday. They host uh, Belmont. And then women's basketball hosts Education Day Tuesday at 11 a.m. So that'll be an interesting game there. But... I think these winter sports are really looking up. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this men's basketball team over the next few weeks, see if they can start figuring something out as a team because, like we said, they've been a little disappointing, but it's hard to judge a team after seven games. Right, and I, I'd i been saying, like, people asking how competitive is this team going to be, and I don't know, obviously, but what I'd been saying is that I think they're, gonna, they're going to be competitive in games, but I don't think they're going to be competitive in the Missouri Valley Conference. So I'm hoping that... Um, even if they're not able to walk away with a win, they give um, some of these teams a game and yeah. make it close. I will stand by the fact that when conference play comes, anything can happen. Absolutely anything. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it for me. Anything else from your read? That's all I have. All right, so in the meantime, make sure to follow our Twitter accounts at the underscore Vidette and at Vidi underscore sports, and we will see you guys next week.